Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Now when John heard in prison about the things that Christ was doing, he sent word by his disciples to Jesus asking, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus responded, Go, report to John what you hear and see. Those who were blind are able to see. Those who were crippled are walking. People with skin diseases are cleansed. Those who were deaf now hear. Those who were dead are raised up. The poor have good news proclaimed to them. Happy are those who don't stumble and fall because of me. Inspired by the Spirit, let this be our call, extending Christ's love and acceptance to all. Have you ever had a moment when something you knew to be true, something that you were certain of, something that you had no doubt about, actually was not what you thought it was. How did you feel? Maybe a sudden death caused you to lose grip on what was real. A diagnosis made you question your body and what it could do. The person you thought was your friend turned out wanted to compete with you. Maybe your job was eliminated, and the thing that you knew how to do best, the thing that you had wrapped your identity in, was no longer needed or wanted. You realized that the politics of the organization that you had loved and believed in was more motivated by power than the values they claimed to hold. Maybe a faith community turned against you, or their definition of love was different than the God you had known all your life. Maybe your disappointment came when your parents, you realized your parents were actually human. Or maybe a political party shifted their positions and leaving you questioning their motives. Okay, we know that feels a little more real than we care to admit, right? Such disappointment, that kind of disappointment, changes your whole world view. Now hear me a little bit. (laughs) This reminds me of the great film Mean Girls from 2004. So in the movie, Katie moves moves to the United States after being homeschooled abroad and must make sense of that mystery that is high school. Now, her teachers are kind, particularly Miss Norbury, who sees her math ability and invites her to the math leaps, which is a competitive math competition. Now, Katie also befriends some popular girls who have a burn book that talks trash about all the students and the teachers. Katie and her desire to be popular writes a lie about Miss Norbury pushing drugs in the burn book. 
Well, Regina George, who was the lead of the popular girls, in a fit of rage, scatters the contents of the burn book all around the school. Now, because one of the rumors turned out to be true in the burn book, the police get involved, and they search Miss Norbury's house and ask Katie's class if Miss Norbury really did push drugs. Now, Katie, with the eyes of her math class on her, admits in that moment she wrote that lie. And then we see Katie go to the principal's office. Now, the next time Katie sees Miss Norbury, you can see the disappointment in Miss Norbury's eyes and her voice. What she had thought she'd known about Katie, Katie, her good student, was not necessarily true at all. You know, I imagine John the Baptist, Baptist felt like that about Jesus. John had made himself out to be this rogue prophet, giving people good advice straight from the Bible. Sometimes the people listened, but often they laughed or even worse, ignored him. Now, if you've been a parent or a teacher, you probably know that feeling of speaking into the void where eyes are glazed over or lost in their phones. I laugh because I've been there too. Now, John wore weird clothes and quoted the parts of the Hebrew Bible that the other preachers didn't dare approach. He was like, as Pastor Bart reminded us last week, a voice in the wilderness preparing for others to encounter Jesus. John like Amos and Isaiah before him, and like Sojourner Truth and Martin Luther King after him, told the truth to power. And that truth, it wasn't pretty. And when Jesus asked if he could be baptized, we see John at first resist. I mean, if he didn't do anything wrong, what's the point of being baptized? John eventually asked, John eventually baptized Jesus anyway, knowing that Jesus was the way he had been preaching about and pointing toward. And as Jesus came out of that water in that baptism moment, John also saw the dove descending on Jesus' head. John also heard God's voice as well. John, in his moment, in that moment, in his mouth agape, knew in his deepest of hearts that Jesus was the one that they had talked about in the scriptures. A holy moment indeed. A moment John knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Messiah. And then... And then, at least in Matthew's Gospel, we don't hear a peep from John until this chapter, chapter 11. Now, one might assume that John became Jesus' main disciple, but when we read in the Scriptures, it doesn't seem likely. Jesus doesn't call John the Baptist like he calls James and Andrew and Peter. They seem to have their two separate ministries, but were on the same team. 
like Paul and Apollos in the book of Acts. John, John even has his own disciples who learn how to be prophets in the same way John was a prophet. And we can wonder, what was John doing in the in-between period before what we hear of now and when he baptized Jesus? Did he keep preaching? Did his message change after he baptized Jesus? Who did he encounter? Where did he go? Well, this time we see him in Matthew chapter 11. It's not so great. He is in prison. And from prison, he sends his disciples to ask about Jesus. At first, Matthew doesn't tell us why John is in prison or how he ended up in prison. We only hear about that in chapter 14. We, and when we realize that Herod put John in prison because John had dared to tell the truth. John, to put it in modern terms, was a whistleblower, exposing Herod's corruption. And Herod didn't want to hear about that. So Herod does what all tyrants do and throws John in prison because John told the truth. And John sends his disciples to see Jesus. What might have John felt like when he was in prison? What were John's disciples experiencing? They had heard over and over again that Jesus had fulfilled the scriptures, that Jesus was the Messiah. They heard stories about how Jesus healed the crowds and raised the dead. And they felt despondent, hopeless even. If Jesus could do all these things, if Jesus was who he said he was, then why, then why was John the Baptist still in prison? Well, there's one pastor who puts it this way. He says, John's cell was dark and dank. Prison cells usually are. John paced back and forth, fettered less by his chains than by his misgivings. Allowed at last to see one of his followers, he sends the disciple to carry a message, a single question, really, that will settle his doubts once and for all. All that was left to do now was wait wait and see whether he had spent his life in vain. And when John's disciple finally finds Jesus and asks him this question, well, Jesus does what Jesus does best. He quotes Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. And this is from the Isaiah text. The eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf will be cleared. Then the lame will leap up like the deer, and the tongues of the speechless will sing. Waters will spring up in the desert and streams in the wilderness. Jesus knows Isaiah pretty well. So not only does he quote Isaiah 35, but he quotes Isaiah 61.1. The Lord God's Spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. 
God has sent me to bring new, good news to the poor, to, proclaim, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from the captives and liberation for the prisoners. Now, the disciples is listening to Jesus, and then, he turn, and then he returns to John to tell him the answers. How do you think John would have responded? I imagine John would laugh in the way that you know a friend, because John knew the scriptures, and John knew Jesus. John may feel convicted, because he knew the book of Isaiah quite well. In fact, last week, pa- Pastor Bart talked about how we spoke of John, who was, who was the one that said, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be made level. The crooked will be made straight, and the rough places plain. All humanity will see God's salvation. But in that moment, in that moment, might John feel disappointed, angry even? I mean, Jesus proclaimed to release the captives, and here John is in prison. He seemed to be in a rough place with no hope of getting out. And he had faithfully sought Jesus and proclaimed the message. Things weren't going according to what he had hoped for and planned. Our disappointment doesn't mean God is absent. It doesn't mean God is not working. Our faith may be rattled. Our hope may look different. Maybe disappointment happens because we worship a God who through the incarnation of Jesus Christ is just like us, who has also been disappointed by those he trusted. A Christ who was thrown out of his church home, who was abandoned by his friends in his greatest time of need. We worship a God whose teachers turned against him, When we seek God, and when we seek to do God's will, inevitably we'll come across disappointment. We'll disappoint ourselves. Others will disappoint us. And if we're like John, in our most vulnerable of moments, we may even find ourselves disappointed with God. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean our searching for God is in vain. It may mean that who God is looks different than what we might expect. My friend Joshua experienced this recently. He and his wife Alyssa and I went to seminary, seminary together at Central Baptist Theological Seminary, and we both pursued our PhDs, his in New Testament in Colorado and me in theology. While he was in seminary, uh, while he was doing his PhD, rather, he was in the discernment process for six years to think about becoming a vocational minister. And he had faced obstacle 
after obstacle after obstacle. And he eventually left the process. And he was brokenhearted and disillusioned, wondering how God called him in this moment. And while still hurting and maybe even still doubting, Joshua said, I still believe in God. And I still believe in the Jesus Christ as the one who was sent to reconcile a universe wandering in exile with its creator. Joshua said, I will continue to invite everyone to gather on the table of grace because I have experienced that grace over and over again in my own life. I imagine John in that prison cell listening to his disciples' words. Jesus as a Messiah didn't mean things would be easy. Quite the opposite, rather. But it did mean that Jesus would know or come to know how John was feeling in that prison cell. And I imagine as that as John spent hours pacing his cell, he recalled another verse from the prophets, this time from the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Pastor Bart preached on this a few weeks ago. And to give you a background, Jeremiah was written to people who were in exile. The Hebrews had been displaced forcibly removed from their home to be under the occupation of Babylon. They too felt disappointed in the God they thought would rescue them. And so Jeremiah wrote to them, giving words from the 29th chapter. When you call upon me and you pray to me, I will hear you. When you search me for me, you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart, and I will let you find me, says the Lord. We might not get what we expect when we search for God. Hagar knew this in the book of Genesis. Jonah, from Jonah and the whale fame, Jonah knew that too. Jeremiah saw that searching for God wasn't easy. And John the Baptist, confined in prison, could only begin to recognize that reality. But friends, but God will always be found. And perhaps more importantly, God will always find us.